Hello and welcome to G'day GAA. My name is Liam Lenehan and we're coming to you this evening from Sean O'Leary's Kitchen here in Melbourne. Thanks very much for having us, Shawnee. No problem, you're all very welcome. I'm also joined here by John Heaton. How, how are you, John? Not too bad, Liam. So this is our second episode of G'day GAA and we're delighted to have survived the first episode. Um, we weren't too sure how it went, but we've got some, some positive feedback from me, so thanks for getting in touch. But... Just to refresh, this podcast has come about as we think the voice of the overseas GA community is sometimes forgotten. We want to shed some light on the GA community here in Australia and also give a perspective on what's happening at home. Uh, first up, um, we're just going to check in on where some of our listeners have been coming from, which I think surprised us all. Obviously, we've got friends and family in Australia and back in Ireland, but we've had some people tune in from the United States, France, United Arab Emirates, Portugal and Spain. Um do you know anyone out there in that neck of the woods out in, in the UAE, John? Yeah, Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was great that we were making a mark out there out towards that side of the world. Um, some people have also got in touch with us on Twitter on at GAA. Jared Cheevers, well done, at GAA. A good listen, making the trip from Galway to Dublin at 6am on a Monday a little easier. So Jared's a former teammate of ours, Gary Owen, recently gone back home. Um, we also had Parik Neary um, at, at Dirty Masnari. This is well worth a listen. Well done, boys, at G'day GA. Keep them coming. Thanks for that, Parik, a friend of mine from Kilkenny. We also had um, the Perth GA get in touch, WAGA. Great podcast, lads. Best of luck with Tom Murphy, the PRO. So, yeah, that's great. We don't know how Tom heard about it. He must have just saw it on, on Facebook or um, through one of the channels. But great to have people uh, getting in touch with us. So thanks for that. I suppose first, lads, first up, cab off the rank is... Cork Waterford, we all tuned in on on Sunday. John, did you watch it live? I watched it live, yeah. And uh, I guess in the words of Dan Shanahan, in 2004, uh, Munster final. I told you they were going to do it. <laughs> uh, it, it from from a Waterford point of view, we, it was obviously a fantastic match to watch. Uh, you had your heart in your mouth for the first 55 minutes. Then the sending off happened. Uh, Cork went two points up. Um, and then we, we, we got the goals, we went five points up, and as a Waterford fan, you're never sure. <laughs> we went eight points up, we still weren't sure. We had the unfortunate sending off then of Conor Gleeson and Patrick Horgan, and then I guess Jamie Barron then rattled the and kind of sealed the deal. So our fifth, I think it's our fifth, sixth ever All-Ireland final for Waterford. They've won two, and they've lost three, and this is going to be our sixth final. So delighted after the game so your prediction held true in fairness to you John Shawnee you predicted a Cork win wasn't to be wasn't to be yeah lads yeah it was disappointing but um, I think I think at the same time we can still look back in the year with a with a bit of hope for, for the coming coming years ahead with, with, with what Cork hurlers are coming through uh, didn't go to plan on Sunday um, I think a bit of naivety and you know a bit of uh, look I think the experience of Waterford kind of came through in the end and the sending off was a bit disappointing and both sending them offs actually uh, for that matter. The first one especially was very disappointing because I think we kind of everybody kind of lost out in the finish that could have been as well and could have been a, 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 like a, a grandstand finish like the Galway and Tip game last week. It was um, looking that way for a long time wasn't it? Like we're into the 50 plus minutes and it's yeah. like a point in it. You reckon this is going to be a great last 20 minutes and it was, and, and, and I think, I, I reckon it would have went to the wire again, um, like last week, but 
look at being a being a pro Cork man, I can probably uh, looking back on the game again, I'd probably probably say Waterford probably would have won out in the end. Yeah, I, I've heard a couple of people say that, and a couple of Cork people. But at the time, you were up with the sending off. I don't know why would you why would you think that way? Yeah. It was so nip and tuck. Myself and John were just talking about that before he came in, and yeah, they were on. They were in the ascendancy, all right, and they had a bit of swagger about them or a bit of confidence. But there was too many of the main Cork forwards uh, shut down on Sunday. I think for 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 us to actually close it out and finish out the game. Uh, and I don't think I think we relied too heavily on Patrick Horgan, and I, I just don't think that's not that wasn't enough to win you an All Ireland semi final, really. To be honest, yeah. On that point, I think John made the point last week that if the Corkfield forward line didn't fire, that they were going to be in trouble. And I think to be fair to the Corkfield forward line, I don't think they got the service. Like Alan Cadding got on the ball, I think it was three times he had the ball in his hand, and he got two points. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I think yeah, we, we we thought Nordy Connors would pick up Patrick Horgan because of his mm. good record at him, and he didn't, and he picked up Cadigan. And he got the better of Cadigan, you'd have to say. And I think on the other side, Barry Coughlin picked up Harnady. And I think it was probably Seamus Harnady's worst match in a Cork jersey. But then on the flip side, I thought Patrick Horgan might be held. And Jesus, he was phenomenal. He was actually, we were talking earlier, how he didn't get a nomination for man of the match was beyond the both of us. He scored 12 points, I think five from play. Yeah. Some of them were from 100 yards. And um, to be fairness to Patrick Horgan, he's, he comes in for a lot of criticism when he doesn't perform, but he did perform. On, the big day, uh, yeah. on Sunday now and he, he actually dragged Cork to within <coughs> the, the couple of points they were at, at the 55th minute without him they wouldn't have scored no he was a real leader for him on Sunday but just taking a step back I think this time last week we were talking we weren't sure if Ty De Burke was going to make <coughs> the game or not he was due to go before is it the is it a DR oh, he went through the CCC the C the C AC the CRA and then the DRA D- DRA so the DRA was the final step when we were waiting to hear oh, the outcome yeah. of that and obviously it, it wasn't to be successful for Ty Deborka and he didn't line out. But um, I think that's a very frustrating process for Waterford to go through, given that there was so much uncertainty right up until the, the last few days before the game. Um, and obviously, looking back on that and comparing, I suppose, to what we have here in Australia in the Aussie Rules um, Review Committee, it's it's a lot more straightforward, a lot more, um, what would you say, John, slimline even, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's, 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 it's just common sense. And you know what to say about common sense. Yeah. It's not that common, you yeah. know? But, um, like... For a guy to have to go through four committees of people who, some of them are lawyers, some of them are barristers, some of them know the GA rules and they may never have played GA, and there, there's no bit of cop on in the whole process. Whereas, actually in Aussie rules, and like the Aussies are, are gas, they, they like the rough and tumble like maybe the GA was 30 years ago. You know, you kind of laugh at a guy getting the belt of a hurley and, and, and losing his teeth, and they, they're, they're that, they have that mentality. But they've got a thing called the match review committee, which is made up of five or six people who've played the game within the last five years. They sit down, they watch the match back, they watch the incidents, and they apply a bit of cop on. And they say, did he really mean to do that? And was it that bad? And if it wasn't, they just clear him. And if it was really, really bad, like a guy punches a guy in the face full force, then he gets his one-match suspension or his two-match suspension. And it's kind of dealt with in that way. But I guess, at the same time, that's from a top-level professional organisation. And they're a bit kind of further down the line in terms of their... Um, willingness to change that then probably the GA which we know is a very slow organisation to change yeah but it's like there's so much to be said for one review process and then like, you know where you stand with that rather than this constant avenue if you're tied to Burka and you're Derek McGrath you're going to go to the very end of the world to get him off yeah. not saying you know, yeah. or, to, or to, to try and get him to play because you had nothing to lose and, but, al- and also on the AFL um, the AFL match review committee if you if it goes through that process and then the player or the club decides to challenge it 
then the the penalty could be doubled. Could be doubled. Correct. So Correct. a lot of teams here, when they're when they're given when they're given their suspension or they're given their fine or whatever it is, they they will decide then whether they're going to challenge that or not. And that that outcome then is based on look, do we really want to, we're going to miss a player for one match or two matches? Do we really want to go and appeal it? and double that suspension yeah. and the risk of that is, is probably not worth pursuing and I think that's a great that's a great uh, but you know what another interesting point about the, the review committee in AFL is that for instance I'm playing you in AFL tomorrow John Mark, and I punch you and you don't have a broken nose you don't have a broken eye socket and you, I just, I've just grazed your cheek you'll get a lesser suspension for that whereas if I make contact and I broke your nose you'll get a bigger suspension so they take into consideration the damage was done the gravity the gravity yeah. of what was done and the impact on the person yeah, who the received outcome. the outcome yeah. which, which makes complete sense it's obviously it's subjective to a certain extent but in hurling or getting football for instance if you the rule in, the, in, in hurling is if you strike with the hurley yeah. It's, it's a red card a deliberate yeah. strike regardless of the outcome regardless of the outcome so yeah. I could split John open he might have to get 20 stitches <laughs> or else yeah. I, might, I might just hit John across the shin you might, or you might dent his helmet or something like that or he doesn't have concussion there is no medical correct. report at the end of the game on that player that was injured in the event and then you could rescind that red card maybe yeah. later on and which like tie the but it's interesting it, the, the whole GA structure has gone it was developed to protect itself and you kind of have to go back to 2002 to understand why and it was about a guy called John Boland from Toomey Barra who was suspended for the All-Ireland Minor Final for Tipperary and he was the first player to go to the junction court with an actual appeal and legally his suspension was overturned and he was free to play in an All-Ireland Final against Kilkenny in 2002 really? so that was that was okay. the history of it and it seems that the GA have built up this whole repertoire of appeal processes to protect themselves against a legal case. Because when you go to the DRA, which is the final court, that's actually a legally binding decision. So you can't challenge it in the court. Okay. Um, not that I'm saying it's right. That's where it's kind of come from. John Boland, as it happens, actually got cleaned out in the other minor final. Tip, <laughs> tip, tip got very heavily beaten that Kenny day. Kenny won that day, yeah. It is, yeah. That was, that was Chaff, his Patrick and Richie Power and that, and that gang. But... Um, that that's where it's come from, but I think it's just it hasn't evolved since then. And you've got guys on the Sunday game. You've got guys who are in punditry in uh, over on Sky Sports. You've got them on different podcasts, and they're all saying he shouldn't be suspended. He shouldn't be suspended. You've got guys from Wexford, Harry Kyo, going up to meet and saying the guy I just played against shouldn't be suspended. But the GA have hamstrung themselves with these rules and these appeal processes, and and they're suspending guys yeah. for for miniature things and. And you could actually argue that, uh, what's his name, Cahalan, the challenge he did on Jamie Barron that got a yellow card was a lot more dangerous than Con- Conor Gleeson. On Conor Gleeson, than what Conor Gleeson did or Patrick Horgan or yeah. anything. Yeah. Because yeah. it was up around the neck. Exactly. So he got a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, like, cause Con- yeah exactly. You're right there because Conor Gleeson gave Pat Horgan a tap on the on the, the leg. leg. I mean, like, he didn't, like, he gave him a tap at Hurley in the leg. But what that will be down and he's sending off with the striking with the Hurley. Yeah. And that's what. The suspension will occur for that, and if, pity. but it's that a, is it's mm. a pity. But that is the rule. So that it's it's not so much that instance. I don't think it's actually um, the review process or no. appeal process. It's actually the rule in the rule book and how that's. Yeah. And, and it's the same. We yeah. have so just for people back home, we have our own set of rules, the Australasia rules, but they're adapted from uh, the GA rules in Ireland. But very very similar in terms of sanctions and infractions are called so an infraction is to strike a player with the hurling and receive a certain suspension yeah. um, and I, I couldn't believe it myself when I got involved I suppose at the committee side of things about the bureaucracy involved in appealing a, a decision in Australasia that's been in Melbourne or Victoria how 
intense uh-huh. that process is. So basically, you get sent. We had a an incident there. It was a, it was a last year, John? We had a player get sent off yeah. in a semi final. You, you have two. Uh, we, we two examples of it. Last year, we had a guy called Enda Boyce, who was probably one of our best players last year. He was over from Clare, a Clare under twenty one hurler. And he was sent off in the championship semi-final for a kind of a strike back. You know, the old handshake you, you throw back. And the referee gave him a straight red card. The referee put down his report. So was he was, he was soloing through and just, just swung back with the hurley. Threw the hurley back and clipped yeah. your man on the, sh- on the shoulder. We had the guy who he, he struck go into the... Well, so first off, we appealed... We so he, got, he, got, sorry, yeah. he, got, he got a straight red card. Uh, the referee put in his report. It's a two-game suspension out here. We went and appealed it to the um, state committee. And we had the guy who he hit come in as a witness to say, geez, he didn't actually even hit me. You know, trying to, doing a Harry Q on it and trying to get him off. Um, but that didn't work. And we had a third avenue at that stage to go to the Australia committee to appeal it. But at that stage, it was it was Saturday night and the final was on Sunday. So uh, we, di- we didn't go that. And we, we probably didn't have a leg to stand on because at the end of the day, the referee's report is the referee's report. And if mm. the referee's report says... A bloody spaceship landed on the pitch, and the spaceship landed yeah. on the pitch. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't, it's not. It's not arguable. Yeah, and it, and it was very interesting. I was involved in that process. Was the, the way the rule book is worded is that the review committee cannot overturn a referee's decision unless they have video evidence yeah. to, to the contrary. So even though the opposition player went in and said no, there was no intent in when he hit me. He just was coming out of a tackle. That didn't matter. It was only video evidence would overturn the, the decision. And obviously, our games are very rarely videoed. So the rules are set up in a way that you can't really actually overturn appeal. appeal like there's an appeal process, but you're not going to get it overturned. Mm. And also the fact that the way the, the the rules are just adapted straight off the back from home, yeah. like you know you're set up to not be able to but have it, a fair it, process. It's, it's interesting on the flip side as well, then because they're so focused on the rules. There's another rule out here that if you get suspended for more than three games, the letter telling the person the player they got suspended has to go to the player as opposed to the club secretary. Now you get it, that's w- it's weird, but there was this, there was a case this year where the the Gary Owen footballer got suspended, and the letter was sent to the club secretary, and he appealed it on process, and he got got off. So it was a kind of a yeah. dear McConley type incident. Also, oh, he, he got off, and technical because and the letter wasn't delivered to him. Wasn't delivered to him. It was delivered to the club so secretary. So he got off based yeah. on that technicality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just for people listening at home, and especially it was an eye opener for me. I, I came out here as a player playing playing away. You just turn up and play the games. You don't think any of this stuff goes on in the background in terms of. There's this, these review processes, there's all these rules, there's these committees. You yeah. can get off on technicalities in, in Australia. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that there's, there's clubs and, and players looking for loopholes here to try and get people out of the same things. Yeah, um, you, think, you think coming to a different country playing hurling, it's just like you turn up in a park and you train with a couple of cones and whatever <laughs> gear you can get together. You put teams together and whatever fellas you have on a Sunday morning out in Gaelic Park, you play the game. But you, nobody realises the same bureaucracy and the same type of systems are in the background here as they are in back in Ireland yeah and I think we wouldn't know that only for I suppose over here is that we don't have like we at home I suppose you have your club style where two get involved with the committee after they've either finished up playing or finished up being a manager yeah. the next progression is to be involved at committee level um, and I suppose our, just my own club at Dixburg there's been a lot of constants on that committee have done fantastic work over the years and probably kept the club going but you never really think too much about it because oh, they're, just on, they're on the committee I'm sure it's the same as more same Wargrass Hill yeah. there's probably still two or three lads who were there before stuff he left stuff just gets done stuff gets done <laughs> yeah. but over here we have to end up being be players and also on the committee and it yeah. gives a fascinating insight into the administration side of a club even though we might have an underage section we don't have as many members but we still have a club of 100 odd members yeah. and the same things apply you know you have to register the players insurance for the players 
processing transfers. Order jerseys. Order jerseys. Everyone's tagged off the same colours. Yeah. yeah. Filling out the team sheets. All that kind of stuff that you don't even think about at home because you just turn up and play. You know, you turn up on a Saturday to play a match a Saturday evening. Yeah. Someone's bringing the jerseys. And plus you have the, you have the which people probably don't understand, is out in Gaelic Park. Everybody, everybody's home ground is Gaelic Park. So for every, every, every week, there's one club runs Gaelic Park for that week. Oh, yeah. So they take the money at the gate. They sort out the, the kitchen. So there's, yeah. there's food in the kitchen. There's you get your curry chips, your Irish curry <laughs> chips after games. Very you popular. Get, you can get your can of beer or you can get your Gatorade after after matches. Um, then you've got referees, you have to organise referees and there's always a referee, no linesmen, no umpires <laughs> and whatever you can grab from the, from the 20 or 30 people standing on the line. Um, yeah, I think that's something that as a club player at home you just don't even think about and take yeah. so much for granted that you're going to play a match, you're just going to play the match. Yeah. You're not going to be trying to get an umpire, you're not going to be looking for lads who brought the cones or you know, reminding someone to bring the jerseys is that kind of stuff. is just all taken care of for you. Yeah, it's all you, driven by players out here. Yeah, and a lot of a lot, I suppose a lot of us, us three now. I suppose have been involved in, with the Gary Owen Club for a couple of years now, and we've all I suppose you you two I suppose are probably more involved in the, in the administration than what I've been. But the um, the fact that the younger generation is actually running the clubs now is totally it's kind of different to what it is at home mm. you rely on all that stuff being done for you at home really in your own club mm. but I suppose on that as well even if I was to go back home and, and back to Dixborough I would actually like to get involved with the committee now you know I kind of, obviously my playing days will come to an end in the next few years yeah. yeah no but it gave a nice insight into it I think <laughs> and that there's actually a lot of good stuff you can do um, and when people are passionate about it, you know, we can bring about a bit of a change as yeah. well. The, the only thing I'd say about GA administration is it's absolutely worse than refereeing in terms of being a thankless job. Oh, and and I, I go back, uh, there, there's, uh, I, I think about the example now that I'm kind of involved in it. There was a 30th birthday on in Lismore, the dog Gorman is his name, and um, Emer Barry from Lismore is the fixtures and the PRO for the for the Waterford GA, and she's a legend. She does put so much of her time into the Waterford GA, and there was a league match fixed for the bank holiday Monday after the dog Garmin's 30th birthday. And the amount of abuse Emer got in the pub that night because she couldn't change the match, do you know? <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, you're absolutely, you're never, anything you do right or nice, yeah. you get no thanks for it. Anything you do wrong, you'll hear about it from every single person in the club. And it's the same out here. Everybody thinks about the, the wrong thing you did as well. Exactly. I, I had an email, I had an email after fixing, I, I was in charge of the fixtures out here and I fixed the hurling fine this year for 12 o'clock in the morning because there was football games to be done afterwards and there was dual players and we didn't want the dual players playing before the hurling championship final. And I had mails from people telling me that it's the biggest disgrace of all time that the hurling final was on at 12 o'clock <laughs> and not 2 o'clock. And sure, look, you just water off a duck's back, like, but you get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a major thankless job, but it's, if someone doesn't do it, you'll end up in kind of anarchy. kind of Yeah, but yeah. I, think, I think ultimately people just sometimes get shoehorned into these into these roles but like you said you need people to do them or the things fall apart I remember we had a, a, a situation a couple of years ago where we didn't think we were going to have a committee at the, the state level here in Melbourne and there was talks of the games just weren't going to go ahead yeah. so it was literally everyone was brought into a room every team into the hall out in Gaelic Park and said right hands up who's going to be secretary the Victoria GA the Victoria GA yeah and otherwise the games weren't going to go ahead the following weekend 
So you had poor people who were just putting up their hands. To, so a Sunday morning, a Sunday morning before the, the games. before the matches would start, people were shoehorned into positions. Now look, we've come a long way since then, and look, like John has got involved at, at that level now, and there's people actually want to be involved. But there was a stage there for for that yeah. year where it was dire straits. And but like it's like John just said, it's a thankless job. You you get abused when you don't do things right, and you won't get thanks if you do things well. Mm. But it's it's something that that's very important. But back to back to the Cork and Warford game, and on that I suppose. Looking at the Conor Gleeson sending off, and we were talking about there, he'd be reported for an infraction, he'd be reported for striking with a hurley. Yeah. But Can we, I think before we get into Conor Gleeson now, I think we'd maybe have a bit talk about the match first of all, because I think yeah. we've, we've been probably focused on rules and regulation now. We, we come back to the Conor Gleeson thing, because I, I, I think a lot of people around Ireland underestimate how much of a loss he is. Because if you look at his contribution this year for Waterford, and even just in the match this weekend, he put Conor Lehan in his pocket. Like, Conor Lehan's biggest asset is his speed. At one stage, he ran down the line, typical Conor Lehan, burning lads for something, and Conor Leeson kept up with him every step of the way, chased him in, brought him inside. Probably yeah, fouled him that time, I reckon, though. 50-50. You were a cornerback, you should not be saying that that was a foul. <laughs> I'd have been calling the free there. But um, he, he's going to be a massive loss for Watford because he, he uh, we'll talk about it later, but I don't think he'll play the other in the final. I don't think any appeal will be successful on that. No, it's, 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 yeah, and it's a shame, really, because you know when you have such an important player and a guy who put in such an important shift last Sunday, and like he, he did, you're dead right, he locked down um, Conor Lehan, and I think Conor Lehan got a point or two, maybe. Point, got one very game, good point, yeah. He was, he was phenomenal. He was on his back all day long. But and you say it was a shame, right? And you say it's unfortunate that he's missing the game, and it is. But what he did was stupid. Sorry, oh. Like, you know, it's the game was up. Waterford, eight points up. I don't know why he did it. Yeah. And I think looking at the replays on the Sunday game, <clears> from what I could see, was that Pat Horgan literally put his hand on his back as yeah. he was getting up, and he lashed out with the hurl. Yeah. Like, unless there was something else that happened right before that, mm. nothing else was shown on the Sunday game. So it's like... Like that was just petulant, and it, it, it could have. It, it, it's you know. I don't. Possibly. I don't. I don't think petulant is the right but what's, what's the word. I think. I think it's would you describe it as a, then? a moment of madness. So every but, every young lad, hang on. This guy is twenty one years of age, right? He's a, a defender that plays on the edge. He actually didn't hasn't pulled a dirty belt in three games. He lashed out at him. Yeah, but it but wasn't it, an on the edge moment. That's what I'm trying to say. Is no, it, it but, wasn't like some but kind it was of a moment of madness. Yeah, but like no, if you know if you know the young fella, he plays football for Watford minor football and hurling minor hurling he's, he's never he hasn't been sent off in his career before so to describe it as petulant now I, I think that's totally I, I would I would describe the petulant as being as um, uh, the incident with Luke Mead and with um, Austin, Gleason. Austin Gleason that was petulant mm. yeah that was that was petulant I probably agree just, with that more than that was, Conor Gleason was just a moment of madness yeah. and the, he knew the minute he did it it was the most stupid thing in the world yeah but I, he's not a petulant type of guy, do you know what I mean? But no, or, we're not saying he is a petulant type yeah. of guy, but what he, the action itself. I think it was caused stupidity more than petulant. <coughs> is when someone kind of does something and thinks they can get away with it. I don't think he did it and thought he could get yeah. away with it or anything like Well, that. the referee's back was turned and, was up to, and the play was up to the other end of the field. I don't know. We, we won't fall out over we'll that one. We won't fall out over it. But, uh, like, like, moment of madness, patient, whatever you want to call it, it's going to cost Water for now because, like we said, we don't think he's going to get away with that one because the way the rule is, wor- the rule is worded, it yeah. says strike him with the hurley and there's no argument that he's striking with the hurley. Did he do any damage to... No. Did he hurt the player? No. And like we said about the incident with Callan, caused far more injury and that was to yeah, well, decent, you know. Look, but that's not what that's the way probably one of the talking points of the game. I suppose back to the game we can talk about rules and mm. regulation what's going to happen but going back to the game I mean look Callan's sending off you can't argue with it was clumsy clumsy fouls. That was, that was basically what it was. Yeah. And, and for me and yeah, it was the turning point in the game and as I said previously it probably 
it probably um, took away from what the ending could have been from, from the game. So that's the big question, isn't it? Like, you know, you had Morris coming on, just came on at that time. You had O'Halloran about to come off the bench. You had Tommy Ryan coming yeah. on. You had Curran coming on. Like, for me, when the ball went into Morris with five on five, as opposed to six on five, he was catching the ball easy. He said, oh, passing Leeson's goal, albeit he kind of fed over. And well, he did back. really well, though, no, he, did, yeah. he, you, he did exactly what you said last week. He, like, when he comes on, he holds everything up. Everything goes into him. And, and sticks. And, and sticks to him, exactly. Yeah. And, and people feed off him then. But you made that point last week, John, about the five boys, or four boys, you call them the finishers. Yeah. And I, I think it's such a strength to Waterford this mm. year to have that depth. Tommy Ryan coming on as well. They're like, yeah. There's just this electricity to them when they came on. Obviously, being honest, when I saw Cal Lang get sent off, I was like, Waterford are going to win here because they use the ball so well. They're so well at doing overlaps. Yeah. There was going to be a man down. There's going to be a man over every time but it, it was, from there on. The writing was on the wall because you, the two teams were playing systems. The two of them were playing sweepers, right? So yeah. by law of averages, it was it, like when you take one person out, that's it, has, it, yeah. it has to win. They have yeah, to yeah. win if the two of them are playing the system. And Anthony Daly made the point on the Sunday game saying that Shukarkov brought another back. They should have. A back, made it six, and I've had four up front, and so he could try and close it out. But sure. Hindsight's a great thing. Power, yeah. it was the only guy yeah. farming up front. Exactly. Yeah. So it wouldn't have mattered yeah. having the fifth or yeah. They so. should have definitely had six, but kept the six back. Probably, but yeah. I don't think Especially when Dan was after, or when Simon Morris was after <clears> coming on and Tommy Ryan was coming on, like, there was just water really up to the gear, didn't well, they? Well, it's, it's, it's the difference between electricity electricity of these fresh guys coming on and the cork backs out on their feet from yeah. 60 mm. minutes of hardship. But that's it, like, and they know they're up a uphill battle. And, like, it's easy to say, it, like, they, they up the gear. They, of course, they up the gear. I mean, you're down to 15 against 14. I it mean, can go other ways at times, so it has gone other in, ways in sometimes. the modern game. How many times has it gone like that, though? In the modern game, like, in the last four or five years, where has it happened like that? Yeah, no, fair point. Like, and, I, and like, I think Austin Gleeson is a superb hurler. He's obviously hurler of the year last year. And he's stroke of genius. Like, even with that goal. And I, what I would say is, Austin Gleeson only performed in that game when there was down to numerical advantage. No, granted, I'm not sure thinking here. But granted, that goal was still a stroke of genius. He still had to go through four or five backs, cork backs to score that goal. But... I don't know. I, I just think and the way he was nominated for man of the match, I thought it was. But the only thing, the only thing I'd say on that is, look, if you take Waterford's whole game plan with the finishers coming on, look at their seven backs, right? Because that's what they've got. They've got seven backs, and and maybe bring Tyg de Burke into it now for the final. But if you would like, if you have Philip Mahoney, who's unbelievably underrated, you've got Tyg de Burke, you've got Dara Fives, you've got Connor Leeson, you've got Noel Connors, you've got Shane Fives, and then you've got Barry Cockling, who might be seen as a weakness, but he doesn't ever get found yeah. out, right? Yeah. That's phenomenal. So they keep it tight. Then they've got the brick in the morning come brick wedge and more come back in and Jamie Barron is running around like crazy, but there's no space. And then suddenly they hold the team, hold the team, hold the team. It's one eleven to fourteen points or one ten to thirteen points up at fifty minutes, low scoring game, then they bring on the boys. That's that's the, mm. that's that's mm. the game plan. Jake Dillon is never gonna score two two. He always does that. He, he puts in that shift and yeah, then comes out. Shane Bennett Shane Bennett. Shane Bennett is like if you think about it, Shane Bennett's still under twenty one, it's his third championship year. He's uh, Speeder, speedster, and he's doing a really unselfish role. I thought he had the best game all year this yeah. year. I, last Sunday, I thought um, he was brilliant. So, so that whole Waterford game plan is to contain, 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 and then release into the last 20 minutes. I know, but I suppose the fact of that numerical advantage, that oh, yeah. that was enhanced yeah. even more, and that's oh, why the score yeah. blew out to what it was. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, I'm probably Damien, still hanging on here of hoping nah, that we might we go to the it off. Absolutely no yeah, doubt. It's a turning point, like, you don't yeah. matter what you it's say. A major turn. And even people saying Waterford might still have won. They might have, but we would never known that. But I know, and it's it's just it's yeah. just a shame that we like I if they won and they won and the better team wins and look the better team always win at the end of the day anyway. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. The, only, the only thing I'd say on Aston Leeson though is that's what the point I was trying to get back to. Every Waterford player was working his ass off. And I know just before the Luke Mead helmet pull off, Austin Gleeson ran about 30 yards to get that blocking on him. Do you know what? Pulled mm. him down. And mm. he got another blocking on the sideline. And he was working. He, he him before he actually pulled the hell off. He probably, probably did. Yeah, he probably did. But, but he wasn't getting on ball, but he no, was working. He was working. Everyone hard, was yeah. working. And it was actually, the ball was opening up the space to probably the wrong Waterford player. Like the brick got in front of the goal and Jesus and the Nash nearly actually stopped it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I thought, and just back like, the first half, um, we were talking about earlier, like the fact and the probably great, great um, tactician by uh, Derek McGrath. He put the two, two more elder elder lads from Waterford. He put um, Rick, Rick Walsh and Mark Coleman. And Mark Coleman, and he had um, what's his name on Kevin Moore and Kevin Moore. Given, yeah. Given, yeah. yeah. And like yeah. that was genius because the two boys completely swarmed their two men. They were on top of their men from the world goal first first two three balls. Kevin Moore and Brick Walsh were, all, were, we're on we're everything and completely, completely on top of the conference of the two lads who were their first time in Crow Park playing senior hurling oh. all in semi finals. So. And we were, have been used to this year seeing Mark Coleman so much ball yeah. for Cork coming out with the ball and yeah. his distribution had been key for Cork and getting yeah. freeing up those forwards. And because he wasn't coming out with ball, yeah. I think that was a, like a huge factor that Alan Cadigan had one ball in his hand the first half because mm-hmm. the Cork half back line was just being dominated. Yeah. You know, and and even the way he got caught kind of ball watching for the goal, oh. and the same with Colin Spillane, he'd been fantastic all year. Mm. Shane Bennett was going along the headline, and Colin Spillane went into half him with a shoulder. Yeah, and just cut inside. And just cut inside, and like there, he wasn't going anywhere. You and know, the brick, the brick, and Kevin Moore scored one three out of the one seven in the first yeah. half. Yeah, and actually, incidentally enough, I, I looked up on the internet there this morning, <clears throat> the Watford team from two thousand and eight, and Kevin Moore was number seven, and Brick Welch was number eight. Like they're the only two survivors from that whole panel. On the current one, but you know what? Yeah, on 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 Kevin on Kevin Moore at the weekend and Aston Gleeson, three of the points they got were catching the ball and striking out looking oh, yeah. with, with their backs yeah. to goal. Yeah, and we've seen that with Joe Canning in the week before. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we've never seen as much of that in the hurling championship as this year. That was there was three points in the game. Aston Gleeson got two, or even I think Kevin Moore could have got two as well. The exact same way. And he nearly got a third that was ruled out by Hawkeye from the sideline. Oh, that would be a fantastic score. It was just. I guess guess some players, when you know where the goals are, you know your positioning on the field, you can kind of catch and turn and and actually 60 or 70% chance of scoring a point just because you're striking at the middle. But that's an amazing skill. Or or is it a natural ability to know where you are on the field? I'll be honest, if I got the ball, I wouldn't know where (laughs) where the posts are. But you know what I mean? To turn a strike and that goes over, that looks like an unbelievable score. It goes, why do you look like a gobshite? But they they were amazing points. That's that's what I think too, though. I don't know. I I don't know. But like... There is there is a there is a fine line between like complete stupidity or complete class. But I think they were on. That's the difference. I, I, I think they they were switched on. They like I'm I can take this on. They, you know they had the confidence yeah. to back themselves. I, I, I think I think we've seen a kind of maybe of a turning point in Watford hurling. Right, Derek McGrath for four years has been harping on about we're not looking for moral victories. You, we made the comment last week that we're as far away from an All Ireland yeah. final. He, he's not interested in that, right? And I remember I was at home last year and I went down to the Munster Under Twenty One final. Uh, Watford and Tipperary and Tipper Tipper kind of nearly Watford were favourites but Tip had a very good team and Watford had a gale of a win in the first half below in Welch Park and they were I think they were a point up or level at half time and I kind of felt oh here goes the same old Watford again now do you know especially at underage we'll bow down to the Tipperaries and the Corks of this world the second half I don't know do you remember the Stephen Bennett flick over the head oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Austin Gleeson hurled an absolute yeah. whirlwind he scored four points from centre back being man marked at centre back 
you know what I mean? And Conor Gleeson was fullback, and it's just these guys who won the minor in two thousand and thirteen. They've won the under the under twenty one two thousand sixteen. There's a steeliness about them, and you might say petulance with Aston Leeson. Aston Leeson throws himself around like he is the king dick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he he's got that confidence that maybe Cork teams and Kilkenny teams and Tip teams would have had in the past. And I think it's good for Waterford and that they're that confident mm. now, and they've got that steeliness about them. Yeah, no, in, I agree. In in the past, as you said to me, yeah, <laughs> hurl off the cuff, but uh, you've got zero All Irelands, and that's that's the way it was before, I suppose. Yeah, and just quickly on that, have you booked flights to go home? Uh, I was very close to booking on Sunday night, but no. Surely I, uh, you'll go. <laughs> surely you think now we won't, we won't talk too much now with the upcoming Ireland final just yet, but. Surely you think you're in with a chance? Oh, I think we're very much in with a chance, yeah. I think we'll win it, but... Um, be a hard one to watch from here, will it? It will be hard. I reckon you'll make a decision coming up to the next couple of weeks that that might change your mind. Yeah, Jill said to me I should just do it. <laughs> I but think you 100% you we'll should see, do it. We'll see, yeah, yeah. I've done it, I think, I've been here for... Kenny have been, I think, five Ireland since I've been here. I've been home for four of them. You'd be, you'd be planning that out like I've, I've booked I, him since March I, I, was, I was thinking of flying on a Friday you get Friday, Saturday or Saturday, Sunday Monday in Ireland and then fly back Monday night definitely if we were to be in Ireland it'd be worth it to be there yeah. and you never know I, I reckon I'd be booking those flights just flights sail on Etihad at the moment um, but I suppose after the match I, I found very interesting obviously we, we watched the game on, on GA Go so we get the Irish coverage was the analysis in the studio with, with Don Log and Henry Shefflin <laughs> and uh, and Gerlach because I had avoided the result all day, like as as I said to the boys, I wasn't going to watch it until Monday night, so still off my phone all day, work, internet, etc., etc. But I did see a couple of WhatsApps straight away after watching the match. I hadn't watched the coverage, was talking about the interaction between Donald Hogg and Henry Shefflin. Yeah. And I watched it back straight away, then Brilliant. I thought it was fascinating. Now, yeah. I'm a Kenny man, right? A huge Henry Shefflin fan. But what I will say before we talk anymore about it is his analysis is, is awful. I, I find it's very broad brush. Yeah. I think it's very generalised, whereas I think Don Logue poked, poked serious holes yeah. in... Not just him. Not just no. him, in, in all pundits, but I think it really shook up I think the one thing about Henry Shefflin is, if you read his book, right, all he talks about is a savage, intense work rate that he had. And he was training with a broken leg to keep fit. He was training in the gym at lunchtime when he was... Uh, when he was injured, all to get back in. He, 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 he's a very boring man in terms of his approach to hurling. He's yeah. constant practice, 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 practice yeah. makes perfect. So when it comes to his analysis, right, he's going to be very much in the same tone that you've got to work hard, forget about your sweepers, forget about your tactics, work hard, hurl better than the man you're on, you win the game. And that's Kilkenny's and Shefflin's mentality. That's the way Kilkenny's won 11 out of the last well, 15 irons. But take that into context. Though. I mean, and I mean, Henry has always been successful and he's always been playing with successful teams. He's always had players around him. And the Kilkenny teams of that era, yeah. he's always had high-quality players around him. And Kilkenny can play one-on-one because they're the best in their position, probably 10 out of 15, 10 out of 15 positions. Yeah. Like, And that's why they can play like that. Like, but there's <clears throat> there's other teams, and the way evolution of, of teams have gone in the last two or three years. And sport in general. To, in sport, yeah. They have to play systems to, to play to their strengths. But I mean, Warford have perfected in the last two or three years, and they're making they're making no apologies for it. No, I don't think I don't think they need to. But what both I'm saying teams, is, uh, both teams on, on, on Sunday played sweeper systems. But by default, if one team plays <coughs> a sweeper, you have to play a sweeper as well. I know, but. But you know what I find interesting, and I was kind of comparing the Warford goals with the last day, is. Back in the 1980s, I think, in soccer, right? And soccer is obviously a good few years ahead of GA in terms of all aspects of training and professionalism and all that. But in the 1980s, 
the sweeper was introduced, right? If you think about it, in soccer, the guy used to play behind the yeah. back four and he used to forget about the offside trap. And if you look at the Waterford goal then that Jamie Barron got, the whole Waterford line pushed up the offside, Arsenal offside, mm. and the ball was played in over, over the top. And yeah. Barron ran onto it and buried it. So they, I know they don't get it from the 1980s soccer, <laughs> but it's a similar type yeah. of game plan. Yeah. Like, and, um, and he's, but back to the point, like, I mean, Hen- that's why I think Henry's analysis is, is a bit... But just because you play that way doesn't mean he can't see other things is what no, I'm trying to say. I, I know, but like it doesn't mean that he like no, what I'm saying is he needs there's no excuse for that. There's yeah. no excuse for that. Like yeah. he's saying we all play in a he different needs way. To broaden his mind a I bit, play like. a certain way, I play hard, but it doesn't mean I'm not open to looking yeah. at different ways and I can appreciate how different yeah, players play in different ways. He's probably brought onto the Sunday game for his opinion and his analysis and look, Correct, and correct. Look, and look, this is why they're all in that game of, of analysis anyway, because it's their personal opinion. It's not wrong. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's their personal opinion. No, but what I do like about Donald Logan is being a Kilkenny fan, obviously, when he was playing for Cork, I didn't, I didn't have much time for him, to be honest, because yeah. he hated Kilkenny and he's referenced to Kilkenny players, Stepford Wives, and all that, and he spoke, yeah. didn't have much time for it. But since he has Stepford been a pundit on a sudden game, we'll right? <laughs> <laughs> get to that, that's for another day. I think he's an absolutely excellent pundit, and the analysis he gives, he just goes beyond the generalised broad brush stuff and he really tries to unpack how different teams play how different styles different players and I think in term, Hurling benefited in terms of offering that bit more in-depth analysis whereas before like even like Anthony Daly is very similar than Harry Sheffield like you know yeah. fantastic Hurling man fantastic player but you're sitting there like is that all you're going to offer me <laughs> like you know that. we're having a chat here like you know I think we can we go in a bit more in-depth than well, Anthony Daly is even worse then is, exactly <laughs> yeah. and, I, and, I, and I like Daigneron as well but and it goes and like even back to the match review committee there we were talking about the rules I mean they should start refreshing the, the panels here as well they only have they only bring them on to the Sunday game like they brought Jackie Terrell on to that but they should bring those guys into the match day exactly you know, the match they day. have a better insight like at yeah. half time than than Lachnan. Well, Lachnan's not too bad. He's a, he's, I like Charlotte. He's, I don't mind Lachnan. He, yeah. he actually thinks about it a bit more than the rest yeah. of them. Like, but Cyril Farrell there is all, you know, he's kind of off the cuff as well. <laughs> yeah. Shefflin's off the cuff. Daly, there's a bit more, there's a bit more into Daly, I think. He's not... I think Eddie Brennan more. is good as well. Like, just like Kenny yeah, man, he is. But he, I think he, yeah, Dignan he is. is a bit old. Too, yeah. too much old school. You know, Dignan is actually very rarely on the Sunday game. He's on. He's the core commentary. Yeah. I think they, they think they have him sussed there. I think Ferris Brendan Cummins is, is quite good as well. He's very good, yeah. But I, I, I think fair, fair play to Don Logue. I, I had heard an interview with him on Off the Ball with Jared Gilroy probably a week or two before. He was. Act- I was surprised to see him on the Sunday game. I didn't know how he was back in. That's right, yeah. Um, and he was, I thought he was excellent. And he actually talked about to Jared Gilroy about how he tries to be give the gauge because he thinks the game needs to be lifted up in terms of its yeah. profile and that there's more to it than we think in this kind of traditional just, just go it, yeah. yeah just go out and hurl and that's the way it should be played so I thought like while I didn't like seeing him calling out Shefflin and Shefflin was rattled by it red. like he was, he was raging, raging like, you know, was. and even Michael Lester like, I think he said in the WhatsApp he yeah. didn't know how to handle it either no, like it was a bit awkward there yeah. in, in the studio and you could see Shefflin was trying to get back in a couple of times <laughs> to talk over just to make a point about yeah. a redundant matter yeah. just because I think he felt like he was losing out yeah. to yeah. Don Log, and Don Log was sitting there in the middle yeah. he was, sitting he, back the only yeah. thing I'd say about you Don Log is though to just to, to give him a bit of a critique is that Lester had a go at him kind of subtly about the whole Frank Stadium and the training pitch type of job and he didn't take it well at all. He no. kind of said, what, when was, what? so the very first thing he goes, and what do you think about the stadium, the new stadium now, I don't know. Was that in the preview, was it? Yeah, well, and okay. Don Log just said, yeah, it's a fantastic stadium, it's a great car. And he was the biggest uh, culprit good, yeah. to criticise yeah, the stadium yeah. uh, over the last two years, the shrine to Frank he called it, yeah. I think. Um, and now it's out, Frank. It's out, it sounds like he's trying to kind of get back into Frank's good books now to get back into Cork after a few barren years with Claire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, but it is, and like 
the other, not just the analysis, but I think even like the commentary of the game. Do you know when like Brendan Cummins is talking about the game? I, I think they don't explain enough of what's going on because you know when you're watching the game, I was trying to watch who was man marking Austin Gleeson. I think it was Steve McDonald was man marking him. He did a phenomenal job. But it was yeah. hard, hard to pick that up on the on yeah. watching on TV because you don't have you don't have the, the full vision. way to pitch. Yeah. But then the commentary, they don't explain enough what's going on. You know, this guy's picking up this guy. This guy's following him all the way out here or over there. Because McDonald was all over the place. He was yeah. never in Connor Because <coughs> Gleeson was obviously never in there. Stephen Connolly, yeah, yeah. But that, that was actually a good point you raised there. Because Stephen McDonald marked Austin Gleeson for probably 50 minutes of the game. And Austin Gleeson hadn't scored. Yep. Didn't score, right? And Stephen McDonald is another one of these guys who's a man marker. And if you're a forward... You know, there's nothing worse than actually having a guy mark yeah. you and not care about the ball, yeah. hold your jersey, face you face yeah. to face. It's, it's like it's, training with Liam. Like training with Liam, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a disaster because you can't hurl or you can't you you, you lose your head or whatever yeah. happens. It's and then the minute it kind of freed up for some reason, Austin Gleeson went out to field. Stephen McDonald went back in cornerback, and that's when the room opened up for Austin. That's when yeah. Carlisle went off because exactly. they, they yeah, put back yeah. to back, and and that's what I'm saying. Like it would have been just just I'm. Just sorry we missed out on that that uh, yeah. that finale because it would have been very interesting. Yeah, but being a forward, being five on five, you're delighted in there. Oh, you know, yeah. especially playing yeah. in Go Park. Yeah. Like you know, if any ball is hit into a corner, you're onto it. Yeah. Like it's impossible for a defender, especially Cork at that stage as they're retiring, yeah. to defend but, those balls. It was non-stop. Yeah. It was non-stop for that last fifteen minutes. Yeah. But you know, the very interesting thing was, if you're looking back at, it, I watched it again last night. Was so, Callan got sent off. Cork were up. Water went up then. Cork actually went back up to two points. Two points up, yeah. and, and that was the fifty-seven minute. Yeah. From the fifty-seven minute to the fifty-eight minute, Waterford scored two-one. Yeah. Scored two goals yeah. in a point in yeah. two minutes. Yeah. And next minute, Waterford were five points up. Yeah. Like there's not too many games yeah. or sports where you have you get sent off in soccer. You know, it might be a goal or a rugby. Yeah. There might be a score, but yeah. to have two goals in a point in two minutes. And yeah. usually, you wouldn't get that in a hurling game either. No, because but, it'd be tight enough. but it was unbelievable. Like it was. But it was great to watch. But I think, I think you've got to go back to it. And I said, said it last week, I said I didn't think the Cork half-back line was great. I thought Mark Ellis and Kieran Joyce being around the block, they haven't really proven themselves. And I think it was Kieran Joyce was going out the field. All you got to do, Aston Gleeson is bearing down you. Yeah. Christopher get, Joyce. Christopher Joyce. Yeah. Get rid of that bloody That's ball. Right, yeah. Get rid of the oh, ball. It was, I was seeing it to watch. It was I was seeing it happening. And I was Flicked like, oh, it off him. Yeah. Gave it to Jamie Barron. Goal. And do you know what? That was the game over. That, or do you know? No, that show, that, that, that type of thing. And I remember, I remember, because I was, I was afraid to criticise Aston Gleeson too much. Like, but that's the type of stuff. Like, like there's the genius in him there yeah. because he went, worked for the ball, flicked it away, and he was down in the corner and was able to pull it back into Jamie Barron's hand. Yeah. And bang. Goal. And there's there's two other soccer references. I know I keep back on myself, but. For a man who doesn't play soccer. Two, two wards for goals came in from crosses. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? At the back post. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what was a fascinating thing? When, when Joyce got the ball and, and he, instead of, he didn't go forward, he went sideways. You're like, okay, he's in trouble here. Nash was roaring at him for the, the ball back to Nash. And instead he kept going, right? Nash was an option. I know. But, now, whether you use him or not, that's a different question. But if you look at Warford and the way they recycled the ball when they went the man up, they didn't hit a ball unless they were facing forward and they knew they were hitting to a man they were going to hit possession. I think Jamie Barron got a ball, he hand-passed it to, who was it? Was it even... Kieran Bennett, I think Kieran it was. Kieran Bennett, yeah. and they worked, the, the way they worked the ball, there was no just like, okay, I have to get the ball, I'm head down now, I'm just going to run into a blind alley. They recycled the ball so well, yeah. you know what I mean? And possession is so important it, for Watford's game. I think it all comes up then, and we won't go into the Galway game, but... One of the things the Galway forwards do is they work like animals, and I don't think the Cork forwards worked as hard the last day because Watford were coming out with the ball so easily. 
and Walter Forrest did work. But I, w- I would say, to go back to the point that we were talking about, why do people think Waterford were going to win anyway? And I think from the 10th minute, I was kind of confident Waterford were going to win because I looked at Anthony Nash and he was frazzled. Yeah. He was yeah, after yeah. hitting two puck outs out over the yeah. sideline. He was shouting at his backs. He wasn't picking his man out with the puck outs. The cock half forward and winning nothing. He wasn't even going short to the full back line. Yeah, Waterford squeezed the life out of Cork with the puck outs. He yeah. was frazzled. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Uh, it's funny, I was back here last week as well. I think that we said that we didn't think at 22 points would win the game. I said 222 yeah. and they got 419. But it, it ended up Cork was with Cork at 20 points or 19 this morning? 20 points. 20 points. Yeah. I, said, I said that like, traditionally, like Cork or Walford never outscore Cork on points. They'd have to get goals to win. Yeah, back. yeah. And, and four goals. It was amazing yeah. seeing him go in, wasn't it? That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah like, you know, <laughs> no, but you know, I think. I just wanted to turn it off. Because in the Hurling Championship this year, we actually haven't had lots of games with goals. Like, you look at you look at um, at the Galway Tipperary game last week. You look, even Kilkenny really struggled for goals this year. But like, if you, you, know, if you, t- if you when Galway had scored no goal in this whole championship, except for the first game against Dublin, they got two. They got no goal against Offaly, they got no goal against Wexford, they got no goal against Tipperary. So they don't have really a goal threat. If you look at the Waterford defence on the flip side, they conceded no goal yesterday. They conceded one very late goal against Wexford, which shouldn't have been conceded. They conceded one very stupid goal against Kilkenny, the pushover try, remember? Yeah. Uh, so since Waterford have kind of gone back to the sweeper system, they've totally shut out goals. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting in the Ireland final. Galway don't score goals. Waterford don't concede goals. Well, this is a moment of magic from a Conor Cooney or a Joe Canning. I, I can't see Galway scoring many goals. So it'll come down to then, can Waterford get goals on today? But we'll leave that for another discussion. Yeah. Okay, so I think we'll leave it there for um, a review of, of Cork and Waterford. And I don't want to go into too much about um, Watford and Galway because we are going to do a preview of the All-Ireland final in a couple of weeks time so what we've got coming up this weekend back home is we've got the All-Ireland semi-final in the football Kerry O'Mayo John you have some Mayo heritage will you be tuning in? Oh, both my parents are from Mayo I will I'll be roaring at the telly at 2 in the morning again um, fortunately for my sins I've followed the Watford hurlers all my life in the Mayo footballers so they're very, uh, <laughs> it's a serious penance but uh, they're, they're the Mayo footballers are, are, are hard to figure this year and I think this is the first big test of them from a big team and they seem to have peaked two weeks ago against Roscommon and can they bring that in? That's the big question. But they like playing against big teams. They probably came, or they're, they're the team that came the closest to Dublin the last three years. So it'll be an interesting match if they can attack from their half-back line and play the game they want to play. There's no reason they can't beat Kerry. Sean, uh, will you watch it? I, I will watch it. I, I won't. I'm not that fanatical like John. No, I'll stay up at two o'clock in the morning. I might watch it early on Monday morning. But um, yeah, I think just listen to a couple of the players' interviews and reading about them. Like the, the everybody was questioning whether they're running out of steam because all the games they had. But apparently, on all the GPS trackers, they're improving. Um, Aidan O'Shea was saying that they're improving on all their their stats. Yeah. Which obviously means their their trackers and things like that. And by way of that, I'd say. If they're if they're starting to on the on the upward curve, like I give them every chance to be carry at the weekend. I'll be honest, I won't watch it live. I won't watch it won't on replay. <laughs> I won't be staying off WhatsApp on you Monday. Don't play football in no, anyway, but I will, I will. I will watch the Sunday game highlights on Monday evening when I get to the football. I will. I will, will give you it actually that watch much. the highlights. Or I will watch fast forward. No, I'll watch the highlights. I watch the highlights. So yeah, look. But I guess this time of year in the football is, is when I start taking interest in the semi final final. But that, that's I it think, for me. I think a lot of us are the same, really. Like I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a Corkman, and I, to be honest, the first 
football game. I watch Cork play. It was against Mayo, actually. Yeah, but what Cork yeah. people normally do is if the hurlers get knocked out, they start following the football. Yeah, well, I That's what you start doing. I keep an eye on the football, to be honest, but just not necessarily in Munster, unless Cork and Kerry is always a, a game you'd always tune in to watch. But I suppose we, we don't have... Um, much to show about in the football the last couple of years. Yes. Fairness did. They put up a great performance against Mayo this year and should have beaten them. Yeah. But you never know with the Cork footballers. That's it. The Cork footballers always let you down. I think that's the saying yeah. that they say down in Cork. But look, I think that's it for today. Thanks very much for joining in. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at GDAGA and at Instagram at GDAGA. Please get in touch and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks very much, Shawnee, for having us down here tonight and for the cookies made by your beautiful wife, Maria. No problem at all. And, and John, welcome. John, thanks very much for coming along. No worries, Lee. Have a good night. Take care.